Welcome back to the podcast. This week, Dwayne chats with Alkira's William Collins on tackling hybrid multi-cloud networking. But before we get into it, just a quick side note. .next, our global user conference, is taking place in Barcelona, Spain on May 21 to 23. You made .next in Chicago last year memorable. So let's make .next in Barcelona even better. Learn more at Nutanix.com forward slash next. And I hope to see you in person. Now let's join the conversation. This week, I am happy to announce we have something that we usually don't do on the channel, and that's have uh, more someone from the partner community come on. And with that, I'd like to welcome William Collins to the show. Hi, William. Hey, really happy to be here. William, actually... I don't know if we we probably did cross paths, but I was stumbling around at a AWS reInvent in I guess the end of November, December, and uh, came across this this little booth on the way back to ours and started hearing the pitch from another customer, and it was super interesting because I spend most of my problem solving time dealing with cloud networking, and this was something that Alkira. Uh, had uh, that was kind of the the main pitch, and so that's what brought William onto the show. So William, maybe uh, have you always been in the networking space, or that's a that's a good question. So yeah, my roots are grounded in sort of what you would consider traditional network engineering. So the I think the first. The first real network engineering project I worked on was ripping out CSS load balancers a long time ago, uh, Cisco CSS. I don't know if you remember those, but those were pretty, pretty old, um, you know, bringing in F5s. IT person, so we couldn't afford those. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that and like Cat OS and things like that. So really just getting hands-on in data center and then eventually getting into like the network engineering space, you know, actually building some designs out, you know, doing stuff like that for a, a multinational organization. And then when cloud came along, I'll, I'll tell you what, I thought there's no way this has ever taken off. This is like back in the, I guess, early 2000s and I remember talking to a, it wasn't a DevOps engineer. It was more like a group of software engineers that were going to move agile. And they were like, so excited. They're telling me about this, like, oh, you know, our application's going to live up in this cloud and it's actually someone else's data center, but you don't even see it and all these things. And I, I was thinking, you all are crazy. There's no way anybody's ever going to put their IP, you know, their intellectual property in someone else's data center. Yet here we are. And so I became very bullish on cloud, probably, I don't remember the year, but I, I was pretty early into seeing the the value and the vision and keeping it in context too. Like it's not all or nothing on premises. It's not going away, people. It's gonna, it's here to stay. Um, yeah. So just kind of keeping those things in perspective. I, I would agree. Yeah, I think we live in a time where it's always one end of the spectrum or another, regardless of what you're talking about. And it's like, heaven forbid, if there's some middle ground to be had, but yeah, you know, with, you know, with that is like the, I say the reason that we always have jobs in it is that we always have to deal with whatever legacy is and what that could mean a variety of things, but there's always this, we've, we've been working on something for 20 plus years. We're going to try this new thing out. But how do we bridge the gap between the two? 
And for me, uh, I'm not a networking person, but I've kind of just <laughs> over time <laughs> out of necessity, you become one, I guess. And, uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't give myself too many gold stars, but I am pretty dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And in cloud, it's funny because in cloud, everything's supposed to be so simple and you, you kind of have these simple constructs and building blocks in which you, you have to work with. And then that changes from cloud to cloud. And then, you know, sometimes it's almost so simple that you can't get a lot of the outcomes that you want. So you have to think, think differently because if you're bringing in the skills of networking that you had in the data center, yeah, like TCP IP is still TCP IP, you know, BGP hasn't changed and, you know, well, incremental changes ever since the nineties and such, but you know, these things are very different when you get to cloud, you're, you're dealing like the system is sort of changed, like the technologies and the things and how they work under the hood are the same, but the system in which they work is, is very much different. So what are, what would be your kind of top networking challenges for companies moving from what they're doing in their own data centers and then moving to the cloud? Yeah, that's a good question. And it always starts off in, you know, I worked in enterprise for 15 years before I came over to the vendor side. So like I was, you know, in the weeds. Yeah, I was, yeah, like. It's funny. Well, actually, on that side, you'd consider the vendor side the dark side, of course. <laughs> um, like, all oh, these vendors are just trying to get me to buy things. And, you know, so on the enterprise side, I went, uh, I did single cloud for a few organizations and actually multi-cloud for a few as well, hybrid cloud and all these things. And it's funny because the story and the problems and the approach really didn't change from company to company. And it really hasn't changed when I hear, you know, I talk to many companies now and it's still the same challenges and the same problems. Um, and the first thing is like, okay, in the beginning, how do we even get to cloud? Like we've got to be able to connect to the cloud because all of our stuff is in our data centers, you know? So we're really going out of that comfort zone of like, we have these four walls and everything's been a certain way as long as we've had the data centers. Okay, so how do we connect? You know, so there's many ways to do that. And I remember in the early days, I thought I was the expert because I knew how to turn up a VPN. And you know what? The company I worked for already had a process for it because we did a lot of B2B stuff. So I was like, oh, is this all this cloud thing is? Is just turning up a VPN to one VPC for this set of developers? And of course, later on, I found out it was much more more involved than that because we didn't stop at one VPC. You know, I think, I mean, it just started as as cloud grew in popularity and more um, of our lines of business were getting integrated. You know, we ended up with hundreds. So, okay, like this is actually a big problem. So getting to the cloud, I mean, you have a few different options. You can can buy a partner service and maybe do like a direct connect. You can do a a site-to-site VPN, you know, or you can get in a colo and, you know, set up a, a dedicated direct connect but then okay well how do you get to that colo from your data center okay you need circuits you know are you going to do like uh point to points are you going to do sd wan so you you end up with this problem of okay i'm here data gravity all my data is here my world is right here and you're slowly sort of peeking out and going a little further a little further a little further until you get to the cloud and then this is where you know is a 
So funny thing is one of the organizations I worked for was a, an adopter of Alcura. So I got to deploy it on the customer side and, you know, I liked it so much. I was like, okay, this is really cool. Um, there's a lot of, you know, I had a lot of interest there. So I came to work here. Um, but yeah, getting to see that from both sides of the the glass was was very interesting. Nice. And then once you get to the cloud, you have all the networking inside the cloud too. So having this two-pronged, okay, we got to get to the cloud, but then we have all the networking and infrastructure inside the cloud. And, you know, big, big challenges. We, well, just thinking, I almost would say there's kind of two, two starting points is like a company that they started using services in the cloud, maybe weren't connected and then tried to get connected. Or there's the other one that's like, they want to consume services, but they also need their on-prem to like, so they're kind of going the other way, connecting to consume services. Do, do they end up in the same result and problems or do they have to look at it differently? I think no matter what you do, and this is, so one, I, I've failed to mention this before, but one of the big and beautiful things about cloud that is also one of the biggest challenges, especially, especially with networking, is how fast things change. So I remember when I first started connecting, you know, data centers to the cloud, all that really, you know, you had to work with was like a site to site VPN. And then eventually they came out and it's like, okay, you're going to use direct connects, you're going to, you know, do this colo thing. And then, okay, now we have, you know, a transit VPC inside AWS. So the, as more time went on, the more of those constructs that were on the customer side, maybe in the form of physical hardware circuits and all these things shifted inside the cloud until, you know, like AWS now, uh, they had transit VPC and then transit gateway. And then from transit gateway, they brought in CloudWAN. And now they have VPC lattice. So they're releasing all these services that have been sort of cloudified to sort of make it, you know, a little easier for for customers. But no matter what, and this is the same problem with technology, as, as long as I've worked in technology, you, you have these disparate architectures. You have all these, uh, I'd say, compartments of brownfield goodness that are just kind of sprinkled around everywhere. And you've got to consider brownfield with a lot of the stuff you do. So the more you evolve in cloud, the more of these like brownfield things come up. So then what companies end up doing is they go back and they say, look, we really need to focus on architecture. We really need to go back to the basics and really focus on architecture, how changes are getting made, how decisions are getting made. And, you know, build an architecture that's going to meet us like where we're at today, but also allow us to scale and integrate new things in over time. That, that makes sense. Yeah, that actually gets me thinking of like the most common problem I see because we have a lot of DR use cases going into the public cloud. It's like, I got connected to the cloud. I got my workloads over there. But when things blow up, how are my users actually connecting to the things I just moved over there? And that's always like the last thing that anyone ever thinks about. Um, so it's like, I guess, necessity drives <laughs> a lot of yeah. how you get there. And there's so many similarities, too. So if you look at like what you, if you think about Nutanix, it's um, it's it's this hyper converged uh, solution. So you're talking, you know, compute storage, uh, you know, virtualization all in a single thing. And, you know, the value I guess, is in a simplified data center footprint, you know, in which you're 
you're consolidating a lot of these components and you're making them more consumable, manageable and scalable to to a customer base. And that's kind of like, you know, what we're doing at Alkira, you know, we have, uh, you know, sort of taking the burden of integration away from our customers and we're providing them with a unified uh, network platform of sorts, you know, that's going to consolidate many of the difficult components, you know, that, you know, the all the busy work and sort of the hard part of networking, you know, into a, a single interaction surface for the, you know, the customers to consume. The uh, Nutanix early on was really great at, you know, eliminating quite a few of the silos, but now cloud is the next silo with multiple clouds and, the network is right in the middle of that making, you know, now you gotta, you gotta talk to a cloud team, not like there's a networking team, but there's a cloud networking team probably that you need to get in front of. And, uh, when we had our first conversation, what really kind of drove me home and what I see in customers, especially large enterprise is the security around it. And, they want to reuse existing firewalls, but that becomes where every VPC nook and cranny, there's a firewall getting deployed and who the heck is managing these things? <laughs> like even, and then if they do have a way of pushing policy, there's just the extreme cost of it all. Yeah. And you think those should be such simple things. Um, you, you would think anyway, when you get to cloud and that's something our founders, you know, like we're, we're founded by Amir and Atif Khan, who, uh, if those names sound anywhere familiar, you know, they brought, uh, Cisco's, well, not Cisco, it was Viptela at the time. So they brought Viptela SD-WAN to market, which then got acquired by Cisco and became Cisco SD-WAN. But, you know, they have this sort of, uh, obsession with simplicity, like it's, it's gotta be simple. You have to be able to understand it and you have to be able to like operate it. And that's one of the things, what you just said is, you know, one of our biggest use cases is these deployments of firewalls. Not only is it, you know, in a single VPC, they're everywhere. You have hubs per region, per cloud, per, you know, multiple clouds on-prem, they're everywhere. And, you know, a lot of times some of those firewalls might be getting like very minimal traffic going through them, whereas some might be getting a lot, you know. So that's one of the things we've focused on is giving you a single way to instantiate, you know, whatever firewall vendor you're using, wherever you need to do it. And then it doesn't matter if you're Azure, GCP, wherever you're at, you know, just as long as it's deployed in geographical proximity close to your stuff, you know, you have that and you can use it across all the things and then you can use a single way of traffic steering a single way of doing policy to actually steer traffic from wherever it's coming from to wherever you need it to go so you don't have to send everything through the firewall if you don't want to i mean you can is, if you want to but you don't have to is it safe to say um alkira is also is kind of somewhat like its own exchange that's a really good point yeah um so we have a marketplace. So if you think of us, um, you can think of us as a virtual point of presence or a virtual colo that we actually deploy like on top of the hyperscalers, on top of like multiple cloud providers. And if you look at the 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 capex that the big three cloud providers have spent since like the year two thousand, it's like astronomical. They're putting so much money in their infrastructure. 
Like they really have the best infrastructure, network infrastructure around globally. So the the way that that works in our favor is wherever they have data centers, wherever they have local zones, you know, we can be there um, on demand. So that, you know, case in point, we had a customer that, you know, was in, in the U.S. and they were expanding to Europe. They needed a cloud presence in Europe. They needed to, to you know, have their firewalls, their policy, like all the things that were available in North America. And, you know, we did that expansion. It was like, you know, less than a day to actually have up the infrastructure, but then getting everything through, uh, you know, setting up the policies and everything, it was as quick as, well, how fast does a customer want to move since it's all virtual and it's all, you know, essentially on top of cloud. So in, in the, in the data centers, where like that customer would be doing like the, the hyperscalers have these entry points that are somewhat mystical to me. Like, because when I, I'm in my cloud portal, I just see the AZs, but I know that somewhere that networking is getting out somewhere, right? Like it's, it's not just in that one location and same is for Azure. So how, how do you, do you fit on, I, if you're using them, I assume you fit onto that backbone somehow. Yeah. Absolutely. So we, we, we pay, you know, we sit on top of these cloud provider infrastructures. So like we have our own sort of singular backbone that sits on top of the, the culmination of all these things. And that's how we can, you know, okay, instead of a customer having to set up new circuits to get them from like Ashburn to like somewhere in Europe or even somewhere in the U S we automatically, when you set up two of our you know, like I said, they're kind of like virtual points of presence. Say you have one in the U.S. and you have one in the U.K., for instance. Those can automatically talk. So, you don't. it's out of sight and out of mind to you. you. You don't even think about it. You know, they're already up. And then one of the things we do, too, is like the, the cloud providers, they provide a lot of different things. Like it's, it's hierarchical. So if you think of um, like down in a VPC, which is a virtual private cloud, it's kind of the base networking component you deploy in a cloud provider um, within that you have availability zones and like you said and these availability zones are actually um, if you think about high availability in a data center you have two routers or two switches or two clusters of something um, those are individual physical constructs usually like an inactive and a standby well in the cloud providers the, these az's are actually data centers so Instead of like a pure in the definition of high availability, you almost have environmental availability within the context of a single region. And then once you sort of get out of that and you're thinking like DR, that's when you bring in like, you know, multiple regions uh, for, for DR capabilities. So we use like by default, like if you were to connect like an AWS VPC to our platform, we're going to use multiple availability zones and we we bring in like all the best practices from each cloud provider for that connectivity under the hood. So that way the customer doesn't have to worry about it. Cause if you go to a customer and you say, okay, how reliable do you want this to be that you're buying from us? How available do you want it to be? Usually they're going to say, well, everything. I want it up all the time, you know? So doing that, like taking the best practices from these, you know, vendors that we integrate with and, and doing that in a purely, you know, best practice architecture, you know, goes a long way. There, there is no way we get through everything. I think that I can, Alkira can do um, just going off the website. But one thing that 
I deal with on a constant basis uh, dealing with customers is just overlapping IP spaces. And uh, I actually never, the, the example that I saw and what I deal with is somewhat different, but uh, you know, the, <laughs> the environment that has been left to grow by itself for every consumer is, I guess, you know, deploying their own VPCs and then, you know, eventually someone says, hold the phone here, buddy, we got to consolidate some of this, but all the workloads are running. Like what, uh, what can you do there? That's funny. You mentioned that one. That's, <laughs> I can't even think of the hours in my history that I've just, you know, like water on brick with overlapping IPs. So I'll tell you what, one of the first times I dealt with this in the cloud, I was actually hired somewhere to come in and sort of like clean up do like, okay, we tried this. We need to do it the right way. We need some experience. So we came in and I started like evaluating what they had. And basically what had happened was they had, they had hired some full stack developers to, to drive their cloud stuff to work completely autonomously to do the DevOps and to do it fast and agile. And they took the same IP range. They, they fetched it out of AWS's documentation, the same slash, uh, slash 16, whatever it was, and they used that for every single VPC they created. Defense. They turned up the workloads with synthetic data. And then at some point, it was like, oh, we got to connect this back to the data center because we actually need to consume the real data. And well, guess what? I, I It's funny because the way that I explained it to this team was like, look, IP addresses. Like, what if I tried to call you all right now and you had the same phone number? Is that going to work or is that not going to work? And they just laughed at me. And I was like, well, this is the same thing as putting the same IP range on everything. You, you just. I give my you know, phone. I just give Angelo's phone number out to everybody. So I kind of, he, he deal he deals with it. Not me, but. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good tactical approach right there. <laughs> but yeah, like that's a huge problem. I mean, it's problem really everywhere that I've seen. And, you know, we handle that a little bit differently. Like we understand that we're going to have some companies that have that problem. And we have some, a really unique way of doing, you know, if you want to do natting, um, we have a really, so we, we call it an intent-based policy engine because everything has to be intent-based, but it's, <laughs> it really is a truly unique, like the way we do policy, we have it sort of in a few different buckets. So we have like a traffic steering policy to say, okay, I have this, I'm going to peel off this thing and I only want this thing to be able to talk to this thing over here. Oh, do I want to send it through a firewall? Okay, I'll do that. Or if I don't, then I won't. But if I want to send it through a firewall, I just have to add a little tag saying what the name of the firewall service is. That's it. And so we also have routing policy because you can't, I mean, for us, the network is the network. If you're connecting on-prem, you're connecting your wide area network in the cloud, the network is the network. You need that full picture. So we do a lot of routing um, base policy as well when it you know in terms of okay i'm coming from this data center and i'm coming in through here you know this is how the traffic's going to flow but then we have all this natting stuff which is really it's probably one of our policies that gets used the most is just simplifying that process and even like codifying it you want to codify the nat policy in your source control um and and do it that way or you want to go in through the UI and actually visualize it. But we make that over, overlapping IP problem, you know, it doesn't go away, but we make it really easy to manage until such a time that you can 
you know, because there's no simple fix for overlapping IP. You know, the, really the fix is you go back and you fix it and you change it. Um, yeah. But if you, if you can't do that, that's where we, you know, this natting policy stuff works uh, really well. So the <laughs> maybe it's the poor man's fix because like it's usually customers don't want to they don't want to even really most customers don't want to stretch a layer two from on-prem into the cloud it's more that they they have to because just the nature of the applications but the uh this traffic steering that you mentioned makes me think of the you know when you do that the tromboning depending on where you want the gateways and the fire, like where do you want the firewalling to happen? Um, which may not be like always the best technical decision, but they have this thing that's doing it. So they want to make sure that it's just going through this one firewall. I tell me there's a better way on your side. <laughs> yeah. So the way that we look at it is you're so networking the biggest, I think the biggest problem for networking, sort of thinking wide area network and connecting things over a WAN is geography. So if you're connecting something that's in Europe to something and you're trying to send traffic through a firewall that's in the US, your your round trip time is going to, um, yeah, it's not going to make anybody happy. So when we deploy these like virtual points of presence that I talked about earlier, we call them CXPs, which stands for Cloud Exchange Points. You can instantiate that set of firewalls there, and then you can auto scale them as far as you need to. So capacity, bandwidth, all those things are taken care of. And I, of course, I'm not going to come out and say that the cloud providers have infinite scale, but as far as I'm concerned, and as some of the scale that I've seen, it sort of seems infinite, at least in terms of me not having to go back in the data center and rack new firewalls and negotiate new contracts with you know telecom providers and things of that nature. So... The way that we recommend doing it is, you know, where your biggest pockets of users are. So, you know, say that you have a big presence in the U.S. and you have a lot of stuff on the East Coast. Maybe you have a lot of stuff on the West Coast or maybe it's just East Coast. You know, deploying a few of these CXPs wherever your user base or your uh, customers, things like that are. You get, you know, the the firewalls, the services, the network closer to your users. And then they come in and they're just going to automatically use the the CXP and the firewalling that's closest to them is is a default. So that geography is taken care of. And then the actual scale of set appliances in terms of auto scaling and scaling up with demand, you know, really just being elastic and then scaling back down as demand subsides, you know, that's sort of where you want to be at. And that's the the approach that we take. CXP sounds like a a customer award program. Like I, I want to start collecting these points and using them like right now. <laughs> sounds like a good, maybe we should start sending cards out to people. <laughs> um, I did want to touch on, I brought it up earlier around, you know, what, what are other options around, especially hybrid cloud, not hybrid cloud, but hybrid multi-cloud. I have multiple clouds. I have my on-prem how do I have like one area for my users to connect? Because as soon as I have more than one, it's like, how are the, it, it's not going to happen. Like my, my uncle Tom and my mom that are in a different department, they're not, <laughs> they're not going to get to where they need to go. Yeah. So that's a big, a big thing right now. We've seen this sort of a ZTNA architecture, ZTNA buzz. Um, 
going around and it's funny because ztna I, I it's I ask this question to so many folks these days. What what do you think ZTNA is? And I get like a different answer every time for the zero trust network access. Um, but ultimately, what you're sort of getting at is how do you optimize? So you have the end user, you have this hybrid workforce. They could be anywhere. So how like what the problem is? How can they get to where they need to be at, or how can they access what they need to access as quick as possible? which means getting on network as quick as possible from wherever they're at. So we use, you know, the cloud providers across all three of them, they have regions everywhere. And a lot of them have local zones, which are even closer to those end users. So we get as close as you can possibly get without being in an end user's house, essentially. So that solves the problem of, of getting on net quicker. And then we have different parts of our our product like we have something called um, ifa which is internet facing applications we have different stuff um you know for things that are coming and ingressing into the platform towards you know your traditional data centers towards cloud workloads and you know sort of like a policy engine that says hey this user's coming in this user is accessing things that are part of this group and we're going to say okay that's all that that user can access and our policy engine is actually global in scope. So this makes it a lot easier. So you're not defining different sets of policies on like a per cloud or per region or per this basis. You're building that policy once and then under the hood, we're taking care of all that. So you're defining what you need to happen. And then you're, you know, the network then becomes a utility, not something that you have to fuss with constantly and keep re-architecting and, you know, crossing your fingers when you go into a change window because you might take something down or miss a BGP route and then you have an outage. And then, you know, the organization's like, nope, William's not making any more changes. He, you know, he took down this, you know, this site or this service. So even that, that's how we look at it. Even the word utility is kind of a bad word these days when it gets to be minus 50 and you got to pay the utility bill. But <laughs> but that your your sounds way better, uh, I must say. So, I, like, as I mentioned, we're not going to hit everything I think that Akira can can do today. But like a last parting window, I guess. Is there anything that you'd want to add, like something that's really core that we maybe missed out on? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a big enterprise, you're you're never going to be locked into a single vendor. Um, you're going to have a lot of vendors probably that you're working with, you're, you're managing, and you need to find some sort of integration with. And, you know, that's where, you know, thinking about your future, thinking about like purely from an architecture perspective, um, to, you know, going that direction of like best of breed. Like if Nutanix is best at doing this, okay, we're going to use Nutanix, but we also have this other thing over here we're going to use because it's better at that. And then we have, you know, maybe Alkira over here that's doing our, you know, really setting our, building a consistent network across all of these things. So, you know, I think the challenge that a lot of companies are going to um, be faced with these days is really that vendor selection and how do you vet those vendors? How do you evaluate them? And one of the things about being a purely software-based play with us is, hey, we don't have to ship anything to your data center. We don't have to ship anything anywhere. You can just sign up and do a POC. And yeah, 
evaluate it, see for yourself. And then, hey, if you like it, you start paying and you, you start consuming. You know, that's the beauty of, of an as a service platform. So the barrier to entry and the barrier to evaluation is really, you know, really small. And that's what I always like. Don't take my word for anything. I know that when I was on the enterprise side, I didn't take anybody's word for anything. I'd have to try it and vet it and actually look at it, you know, use it. And that's what I recommend a lot of times is come and use us. You know, we stand behind it and, you know, hey, I think if it doesn't work for you, we part ways. Yeah. Well, today, I think the reality is that nothing is forever. So even if you think you're only, a you know, cloud A shop, well, next month you might be looking around cloud B and even on the on-prem side, lots of recent news that's causing people to look in and shift possibly. So, you know, anytime that you can give yourself some wiggle room will bode well for the longevity of your, your business and, and in part your career. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just being flexible. Let's be flexible for the, for the customer. That's it. Well, William, it was a blast having you on. I hope the listeners got a little feel of what they can expect um, on the cloud networking side before they get too trenched in. So thanks again and uh, look forward to the next one. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Nutanix Community Podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to next.nutanix.com. So with that, from your friends here at Nutanix, have a great week. Thank you.